0: Samuel. Cuts it back. Ohio State wins! Flashes! Champions of the Mid-American Conference! Little trick play and a throw to Baker Mayfield to tie the game! Buried and grabbed by Leonard. Throw it first! Unbelievable! Chubb will take this all the way! 92 yards! And the Ohio State Buckeyes are the first national champions of the playoff era. The Indians have won! the American League pennant! It's over! It's over! Cleveland is a city of champions once again! The Cavaliers are NBA champions! I accepted it. Gladiator! Hello, everyone, and welcome to an episode of Pass the Mic Sports Talk. I'm your host, Enzo Orlando, and do I have a lot to go over in this episode, with the Cleveland Browns winning their first playoff game in over 20 years against the Pittsburgh Steelers, along with a short recap of the other NFL playoff games and a preview of the NFL Divisional Round. And then the Indians trading away Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco to the Mets, and recapping college football's national championship game between Ohio State and Alabama. And let's jump in with the good news, folks. It finally happened, Cleveland. The Browns won a playoff game against our rival, the Pittsburgh Steelers, with a final score of 48-37. to The Browns coming off all odds, not having your head coach. Missing many key players due to COVID, and they were still able to get the victory. From that very first play against the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Browns were able to have that momentum with that unbelievable bad snap from Marquise Pouncey going over Big Ben's head and the ball ending up in the end zone. And the Browns, Carl Joseph, able to recover it and gives the Browns a 7 lead. Just amazing start, and it kept going that way. 'Cause we were up twenty eight nothing in the first quarter. Crazy. And at halftime we were only up thirty five to ten. We were getting a little nervous because no one has Brownson's like, Well, you jump out early and you just never know. You don't know if you'll have an Atlanta type situation, but we were able to stay in it. We weren't able to put up points in the third quarter, but in the fourth quarter we were able to and pretty much sealed the deal. And you gotta give credit where it's deserved on the Browns, especially to, I gotta say, Baker Mayfield, your quarterback, leading this team in his first playoff game ever, going for 263 yards, three touchdowns, and also Baker Mayfield did not get sacked once, and the interesting thing about that, we played without one of our tackles. First of all, you didn't have Joel Joel Batonio uh, because he was out with COVID, and then Jack Cocklin he went down too in that game, so You lost him, so you had to bring in Kendall Lamb. And then even Petonio's replacement, Mike Dunn, went out. And he had to bring in this guy named Blake Hentz, who literally drove from New Jersey down to Pittsburgh to play in this game. And Baker Mayfield literally met him like about an hour before the game, something like that. And we did still not give up one sack to Baker Mayfield at all. Baker Mayfield was untouchable. The Steelers' D-line could not get to him at all. And it's that next-man-up mentality that Kevin Stefanski has put up in this culture. By being ready whenever you can, doesn't matter what game it is, doesn't matter what the score is, but just be ready, go out there and play, and do your best, and that's what the Browns need to do against the Steelers. And you also have to give credit with not having Stefanski there to Mike Prefer and Alex Van Pelt. Mike Prefer was taking over as the head coach of that game. Alex Van Pelt doing most of the play calling as he is the offensive coordinator. Usually known for giving suggestions to Stefanski, but not really calling the plays. That is usually Stefanski's job. But Alex Pelt, tremendous job of him, calling the right plays, getting our offense going, running the ball very efficiently, having Baker throw the ball where he needs to. And an overall great game by the Cleveland Browns and what really shocked the whole football world, seeing the Browns win a playoff game. And knowing the Pittsburgh Steelers being that big brother that always used to make fun of us, saying that we were bad, saying that we were a joke. And a lot of smack-talking coming from the Steelers before this game happening. Juju smith schuster saying that the Browns are just the Browns. He was saying, like, oh, the Browns are the same old Browns. There's no big deal. Like, they were literally playing down with us. So many Pittsburgh fans were doing that. And, oh, my gosh, just the way it ended for Pittsburgh. <laughs> they were so mad after this game every... Player, the coaches, and you can say the whole entire city of Pittsburgh was losing to the Cleveland Browns. They felt like, "How did we do this? We feel like a big joke now too." Losing to the Browns twice in a row, actually, because we played them last week in order to get into the playoffs. Where they rest their starters, and every, and they're thinking like, "Well, it's only the Browns. We can have, we can rest a couple guys. We can rest TJ Watt. We can rest Ben Rosenberg. We can rest Pouncey. Rest all these guys. We'll be fine. You know, it's the Browns." They were taking the Browns so lightly, and they're seeing all the reports on COVID and all that, and man, oh, man, I'm starting to think the Steeler way is over for Pittsburgh. If Ben Rossenberger leaves and doesn't come back next season, the Steelers will not be the same. The Steelers will have to go into a big rebuild mode, have to be looking at getting draft picks and stuff, maybe trading away players. I wouldn't be surprised if Juju gets traded away if they no longer have Big Ben. I wouldn't be surprised as well. But the Steelers <laughs> losing to the Browns made my day, made my life feel so great. Man, you guys just need to shut up. You'll stay six rings and all that, but well, it might not matter. I don't see you guys really being that good anymore. If you lose Big Ben, he doesn't come back next season. But it was just a tremendous game. And now the Cleveland Browns moving on to the divisional round in the playoffs and taking on the Kansas City Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions, led by Patrick Mahomes, probably the best quarterback right now in the NFL. Just The Browns, we're just not giving up. We have faith in this team, even though everyone's saying, you know, the Chiefs are better. They're Super Bowl champions. Look at how they dominate. 14-2 record. We don't care about that. We're going to play our asses off that whole game. And we'll see what we can get because the Chiefs—they really they haven't had a blowout game this whole season. They have some games where they got close to teams like San Diego, a- like, excuse me, the Chargers. I almost meant the San Diego Chargers, but the Los Angeles Chargers. They got close against them. They got close against bad teams. Like they haven't had that blowout Chiefs victories like they were having last season. But they're still a good team. They're not going to take us lightly, and I don't think we're going to take them lightly either because we're the underdogs in this one. But so great that the Browns are moving on. But let's now get into the rest of the NFL playoffs, starting with the Bills versus the Colts. The Buffalo Bills, they're another heartbroken NFL franchise just like the Browns were, but now they're starting to get good, led by their young quarterback, Josh Allen, who literally kept him in this whole game against the Colts. An amazing performance, I am. who was able to throw and run the ball. That's what makes Allen such a great quarterback, beating the Colts 27-24. But the Colts, they were in this game the whole time. They had so many opportunities to do it, but they just weren't able to. And then that last drive, a couple things happened and just didn't go their way. And Phillip Rivers, you know, it might be his last season too. We'll see. Happy for Buffalo. They move on to the divisional round. They got their first playoff win in over 20-some years, too. So, congratulations to them. I know the Browns and the Bills, probably the two most passionate NFL fan bases ever. Football is what we live and breathe by in these Rust Belt cities, and especially in Cleveland and Buffalo. Two cities also off the shores of Lake Erie. So, congratulations, Buffalo. And then the second game of the Super Wild Card Weekend, Rams-Seahawks was pretty much a shutdown performance by the Rams defense. Give credit there. There was no way that Seattle was really going to stay in this game unless their defense showed up, and it didn't. Russell Wilson, not having one of his better playoff games, did throw a pick six in that one. So L.A. deserved to move on that one, and I know so many people just think the Seahawks are the old Seahawks when they had that Legion of Boone defense, but their defense they have now is not the same they had four or five years ago. So the Rams move on. Now let's move on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beating the Washington football team. Tom Brady having his better night game performances this time around. He's able to throw for 381 yards and two touchdowns. able to find Antonio Brown, who has been quiet this season, mainly on social media, which I believe that is a good sign. That is Brady showing... Antonio Brown the better way to do things and not being such a locker room headache like he was with the Steelers and his brief time with the Raiders. Washington, 7-9 team, able to put up a good fight against the Buccaneers, but just weren't able to win. Not having Alex Smith, I believe, really hurt him, which really did not give them the chance to win that game at all. And then let's move on to... Sunday's matchups, uh, the Ravens and the Titans, Ravens, Lamar Jackson had to come out and play, and he did, leading the team in passing yards and rushing yards, scoring a nice rushing touchdown, a 48-yarder, and also the one thing that the Rams were able to do, they were able to stop Derrick Henry when they were on defense, holding Derrick Henry to a whopping low 40 yards in a playoff game. Remember last season, these two teams made the playoffs. Derrick Henry went off against the Ravens the defense. The Ravens were the better team last year too, but they weren't able to show it. This time they were able to. Lamar Jackson finally gets his first playoff win as a quarterback after making it his first three times. And then the other game, the the one that was only exciting because it was on a st- Two different channels. One was the usual CBS broadcast. The other one was the Nickelodeon broadcast. Tend to be for more younger yards. The Saints and the Bears game. Where the Saints pretty much just dominated this whole game. The Bears really never had a shot in this one. Even though it was a low-scoring game, 21-9, the final score. But that game on Nickelodeon, it was pretty. It was something interesting. I gotta say that wasn't really targeted to your average football fan. You thought you were tripping on drugs or something, and you were watching. It had all the slime in the, when they scored a touchdown. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants was between the uprights during field goals. Um, the first down marker was this big long line of purple and green slime. Just very cheesy. And the broadcast was all right. I know not many of them were like football knowledgeable like how Jim Nance and Tony Romo are, but they were trying to get it to kids. Very interesting way. But I got to say, I kind of did like it, but I don't want to see it in an NFL playoff game again. Not even regular season. I think they should try to do it with, like, maybe college football. Or maybe do it with, like, some joke team like the Jets. You could have done with a team like the Jets or oh, the Bengals. The Bengals might be good. Don't sleep on that team. Or yeah, just, like, do it always as, like, the the one game you know that won't be, Exciting, and it's between two bad teams, and it would just be hilarious, in my opinion. And so, the divisional round is sacked. Like I mentioned before, the Cleveland Browns are taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens are traveling down to Buffalo. Remember, Buffalo does have their fans back, so makes it a little bit harder to play out there. They're rowdy, even with only less fans than usual. I think that'll still be a good game. Rams and Packers. I mean, if the Rams are able to hold off Aaron Rodgers, they might have a chance to win that game, but I'm going to have to say the Packers are going to have to take that one just on based on the way Aaron Rodgers played the whole season. And, and I think the other big one, other than the Browns and Chiefs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New Orleans Saints, New Orleans beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers twice this year, led by Drew Brees and Shaw Payton. One of the great... Coach and quarterback duos in NFL history. And I'm going to have to say, man, based on the way the Saints dominated the Buccaneers this whole season, I'm going to have to say the Saints will take that one. So, going to be a very interesting divisional round week. Very excited for it. It all starts on Saturday. So, be ready. This is going to be another crazy NFL weekend. And I am just love it. And... Let's now move on from the NFL going into the Cleveland Indians and the news that came out last week about the Cleveland Indians trading away Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco to the New York Mets for shortstop Andres Jimenez, um, Amaid Rusaro, along with prospects Josh Wolf and Isaiah Green. And as an Indians fan seeing this trade, you're like, what? What did you do? We knew Lindor was going to be gone, but then you had to put Carrasco in the misc, and you still didn't get jack shit in return. What the hell was that? I was looking at a trade like I couldn't believe it. I've had enough of this franchise being owned by the cheapest Owners and all of sports, the Dolans, they aren't willing to spend. I know we're a small market team, but you gave up too much for a couple prospects, which we don't know how well they'll return. You might say Andres Jimenez might be a good one, and mean Rarus Rosario, but those might be the only ones, and you don't know. I mean, how I'm looking at this team. You're not making the playoffs in 2021. There's no way. Even though you have the Cy Young winner, Shane Bieber, and third runner M- MVP, Jose Ramirez. But I really don't think that the Indians are going to be the same. I know you have Frank Cohen as your manager, but this is just not how it's done. And it was just a bad trade ever. I would have to give this trade to the Indians a D. Really bad in return. You could have got more from the Mets from giving up your franchise player and one of your best starting pitchers. Not your best, but one of your best, Carrasco. I mean, everyone thought in Cleveland, this is a bad trade. Like, this team, you can't take it. After trying to make it to a World Series, after what happened in 26, you were unable to. And giving this back in the fans' return just feels like a shot in the chest to us. We can't take these ownerships anymore. Being cheap, losing money. And they have done this three times as owners as the Indians. Once Dick Jacobs sold the team they decided to get rid of the players like Jim Tomy, Omar Vizquel I mean really that's because we couldn't really get them what they want and so they leave that's what happens and then 2007 we had the remarkable season I remember that season very well. Players like Grady Sizemore Casey Blake, CeCe Sabathia Cliff Lee, Victor Martinez and we end up blowing that team too only one playoff appearance with that team. And they could have gone on more in 2008, but no, they couldn't in years after that. So that was a very short-lived uh, time of the Indians being good. And then recently now with getting rid of players like Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco, ooh, and Andrew Miller, Cody Allen, Corey Kluber, Trevor Bauer, Mike Clevenger, Jason Kipnis, Mike Napoli, Edwin Encarnacion, Carlos Santana, Jay Bruce, Michael Brantley, Rajay Davis, Brandon Geyer, Tyler Naquin, and Jan Gomes, who recently won a World Series with the Washington Nationals in 2019. It's whatever. It's part of the thing being a small market team, but just in the way the Dolans do it, they do it by just literally tearing apart this team, then rebuild. And depending on prospects, and which is one thing I don't always like in baseball. You can't always depend on these guys becoming the stars they're supposed to be. It all depends on how they put in the work in spring training and in the farm system. And that's where it always becomes iffy, like coming up in big league ball. It's so much different. And I don't even care what the team name is anymore because I know they say they're going to move on from the name Indians because of the way it is found offensive to Native Americans. I don't care. I'm just sick of this franchise, and especially the Dolan's. I want them to sell the team so bad, but it doesn't seem like they will. But hopefully in the next two to three years, they find someone who's willing to buy and willing to spend money to keep players here. Because here's the thing. Francisco Lindor actually said he wanted to stay with the Indians long term. This is a quote. This is from Ben Axelrod on Twitter. He asked if he wanted to stay for a team long term. He said for a long term I told the Indians, Hold on to me. They didn't come up with the numbers I wanted, the resources they maybe didn't have, and he's excited to now be in the Mets in a good place. So Lindor moving on from a small market to one of the biggest markets in baseball in New York, playing for the Mets who are not as popular as the Yankees, but I'm pretty sure they will be and I see a World Series coming to them in the next two to three, four years. I and mean, it just sucks about what happens to the Indians and just getting cheaped on by your owners who really seem like they don't care much about the team. And even the stadium lease is coming up soon. So we don't know what's going to happen to our team. Nay, we don't know if we. hopefully the team is going to stay. There's no way we're having a moment like when the Browns moved. And I don't see this team really being that competitive in Major League Baseball like they used to. I see the White Stocks and the Twins being at the top of this division. The Indians are going to be that third to fourth place team between the Royals and the Tigers. We might hit last place. Who knows how it happens, but the Cleveland Indians just no longer the same. And now, moving on to our final segment, we're going to get into the national championship game from last night, Ohio State versus Alabama. And Alabama dominating Ohio State this whole game. They won it with a final score of fifty-two twenty-four. And not gonna lie, but I kind of lost interest in Ohio State in this game. Not just not only in this game, but kind of in general. Based on how you know the Browns are doing good, I'm so excited for them. And I just feel like watching this Ohio State game. It's like, yeah, Ohio State. I'm like, yeah, oh, they're losing. Like. To be honest, I didn't have a good feeling about this game at all. I mean, you're going up against Alabama, who's best program in college football, not to get wrong with Ohio State. They're still a pretty good program, too. too excuse me. But they just have been more dominated than Ohio State has. Ohio State has only won, like, two national championships in the past uh, 20 years. Alabama has won at least six. Actually, they have won six. My correction there. And just being from Ohio and Cleveland, you would always be like the Browns are your team. You live and die by them. But going through my whole life as a Browns fan up until recently, it hasn't been good. The team's been bad for 20 years. And to get away from that badness of watching terrible football... You, you would turn the Ohio State Buckeyes, who were always consistently good, whether it was under Jim Trussell or Urban Meyer, consistently good, making, the, making bowl games, making national championship games, being able to win, being able to perform. That's why you were kind of going to Ohio State and ruining them, cheering them. And it feels like people who are from Cleveland and didn't go to Ohio State, that's probably how they all feel. Well, now, the ones who are at Ohio State now or are alumni of that school, they feel a different way about the Buckeyes than compared to anyone else who did not go to Ohio State. They were probably a little bit more heartbroken about this game than compared to me. Me, I'm a Kent State student. I I actually love being with the Kent State Golden Flashes too. really enjoy watching them. They had a pretty good season other than that big loss to Buffalo and then COVID hit, and they did not have a chance to get back to a ball game. But I believe in their program at Kent State. I believe they do have a chance to get to the Mac championship next season. A very good chance. But getting back to my point with Ohio State, you're kinda like watching this game, you're like, eh. You know, I had it on much the first three quarters and like third quarter I it's just like I really don't even want to watch this anymore. I mean, they're not gonna win. And I don't even feel like heartbroken or anything like or bad like compared if I if even if the Browns lose to the Chiefs, which many people are predicting, I'll still feel like, eh. Well, we lost, we i not able to or maybe if it's like in a heartbreaking loss. This wasn't even a heartbreaking loss, this was a smoke show put on by Alabama. And Devontae Smith and Mac Jones literally destroying your defense. Oh my gosh, I don't think defense couldn't even guard Alabama. Especially in their secondary. So, the Buckeyes saw the loss. Justin Fields, he looked he looked good in the first half of the second half he was falling apart. Still had that rib injury. He wasn't doing that good. Also, losing Trey Sermon in, like, the first play didn't help the Buckeyes either. Master Teague did whatever he could do to put on a great game. Was able to get two touchdowns, but all I got to say is Ohio State, I don't know. I still like the Buckeyes, but I wouldn't always say they're my favorite team. I would always say the Browns, they got more of my heart than Ohio State. And also, I called them to... uh, Sports Radio 92.3 The Fan this morning into the Ken Carmen and Anthony Lyman show and mentioned this to them and then after I called they this point was still in their heads and stuff and they brought it up later on their show and it was very interesting what they heard I don't know if they have it in podcast form on 92.3 The Fan's website but it was very interesting I can't play any of it to you that would be uh, on my fault I would get in a lot of trouble so I don't want to risk it I don't even have uh, what they said on the show, because that is in uh 923, the fans' archives. So, very interesting topic. I talked with them, and they seemed to really enjoy it, and just how it is being from Cleveland, Ohio, and you always have more of your focus on the Browns than compared to the Buckeyes, but when the Browns are bad, you would go to the Buckeyes a lot, and they would even say, like, the big Ohio State games would even take over the Browns games for those weekends. I got to agree. It was like that. Ohio State-Michigan over, uh, let's say, the Browns playing the Ravens. The old Browns, you got to say. The bad Browns. Ohio State-Michigan be taken over. Or Ohio State-Penn State. You know, those games would always be considered the bigger weekend matchups for Northeast Ohioans than compared to the Browns, who would get blown out by some team or have the lead and then blow it somehow. But those are the old Browns we don't want to talk about. We are about the new Cleveland Browns. and. I don't know people who don't have that much of an association with Ohio State. Maybe not caring as much as they used to. That's how I'm feeling. I don't go to Ohio State. I've been there. wasn't really a school that was fit for me, and you know now it feels like kind eh, of really like their biggest fan. You know, I'm a Browns fan. Ohio State, you're like that college team that I fall on and just to give people crap and saying we had a good te- that I have a good team to root for. But that's pretty itch. But Before I leave this show, I got to give everyone my Drunkie of the Week. What are you doing, Drunkie? Yes, it's that time. So, my Drunkie of the Week, it's an obvious one. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers literally falling apart against the Browns in the playoffs. I doubt many of you found that as no surprise at all, but the Steelers are definitely my Drunkie of the Week. That performance and all the smack-talking that they were doing from players, and fans, he had to stop. That night literally just put them in their place. Them starting out 11-0, and they were all thinking they're going to the Super Bowl. They're going to be the best team in NFL history. They're going to get their seventh ring. Nope, none of that happened. The Browns closed it. And from that, ever since they lost to Washington, they've only won f- one out of the five games they played. You only win coming against the Colts, all their others. Losing to Washington, losing to the Bengals, and then you lose to the Browns twice. You can't believe it. I say this, but it feels like their time as being a better team in the NFL might be over, and they'll have to go in the rebuild. And then also, recently, after that loss, Chase Claypool, the Steelers, wide i went on to say and that, yeah, the Browns are going to get smacked. Uh, against the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, way to go, Chase Claypool. Way to say more stuff, even though you just lost to them. So, why can't you guys smack the Browns, even though you're all saying that? They don't know. So, he will be on my Drunkie of the Week, too, Chase Claypool. He can put Juju Smith-Schuster on there, too, saying stuff about the Browns and basically and you know, how he sticks at them. Or maybe that's just a mentality Tomlin has always had on the Browns. It's just that joke of an NFL team, but He's got to realize they're no longer that anymore. And if he loses Big Ben Roethlisberger, Steelers are in trouble. There's even been rumors about Marquise Pouncey potentially retiring. And I know they had a good defense, but their defense was not there at all. They were missing Devin Bush and Bud Dupre, but that didn't help. And also Minkin Fitzpatrick. Everyone talked about how good he was. He was pretty much irrelevant in that game. So... For past the Mike Sports Talk, Enzo Orlando here, signing off. Wishing everyone a good week and go, Browns, everyone. Very excited for this game coming up against the Kansas JC. Y'all have a great week. It was 1950 in the cold and rain when my father took me through my very first game. Said the Browns are going to show you how the game is played. Here we go again.